0: In this episode of the Live Damn Well podcast.
1: You know, we're not one-dimensional beings. We we strive off of human connection, right? You're saying now, like with COVID and everything, human connection's way down. We're seeing the effects from it. This interconnectedness is something that is not spoken enough on and it's not the holism factor isn't nearly enough presented to a patient to make sure that they're keeping that check, to letting them know there's not one part of you that doesn't work without the other part. It's that Swiss watch principle of each gear has its place. And if a gear isn't working right, it can affect other places, right? And that can go from, if I'm feeling bad physically, it can affect me emotionally, it can affect me with, you know, my spouse, it can have its detrimental effects. And if we don't recognize it, it's going to catch up with us. Cause all, you know, you see patients and they're hurting, and they're in pain, and you want to help them, but first you have to help them with the organ between the ears and say, listen, the body is, is telling you something, we just have to figure it out. And there's hope, too. I mean, the biggest thing is we want to be a hope dealer. We want to bring people in and let them know you're you're not defined by whatever it is that you have because not only that does it release the crutch but also empowers them and that empowerment is the biggest thing that i want to to reach with all my patients
0: my name is jorge roman author of return to human certified health coach and training metabolically flexible individual and insulin sensitive human Now in this podcast, I will relentlessly ask why is there so much conflicting information about health, nutrition, and lifestyle recommendations? Is there more to the story? Or are those individuals involved with natural and alternative health just a bunch of pseudoscientific quacks? I will often have solo episodes discussing relevant scientific research around nutrition, supplementation, powerful lifestyle practices. And I'll occasionally plug my health coaching programs shamelessly. I'll also be interviewing thought leaders from all walks of life in an attempt to discover what truly makes someone healthy. I will do this with no agendas, no ideology, no closed mindedness, no BS, just truth. Regardless of the fact that I will inevitably trigger and anger some narrow minded and myopic individuals. Live damn well doesn't mean living life perfectly. We're all gonna die someday, so striving for ultimate health is a pretty counterproductive goal. Rather, I hope to learn for myself and empower others to fulfill their life's purpose and enjoy all life has to offer, all while being disease-free, energetic, and in control of their biology. Learning to take responsibility for yourself, staying true to your deepest commitments, and enjoying life to the fullest is what Live Damn Well is all about. I believe humanity already has all of the tools to create a life which is disease-free, joyful and highly fulfilling. Now we just need to do the hardest part, cutting through the divisive, arrogant, closed-minded bullshit which holds us all back from creating the world we deeply desire. Thank you for joining me on this journey and I hope to serve you on yours. Welcome to the podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Mayer, who is a chiropractor. And there's a lot of controversy and there's a lot of crap surrounding chiropractic care thrown about by conventional healthcare professionals. And so I asked myself, you know, is chiropractic actually something that's valid or are they correct? Are all of these people throwing shade at the field of chiropractic? you know, are they all right? This was a very good preliminary conversation. I definitely want to do another episode with Dr. Mayer to get into the weeds of the science behind chiropractic care. But basically, we talked about the different ideologies, the different paradigm between the conventional medical system which seeks to numb symptoms of a much deeper issue of disease, and the different ideologies surrounding functional medicine and chiropractic care and how they really seek to actually heal the person and not just target one disease or one mechanism. Now this was a very inspiring conversation and I hope that you enjoy it. This is the Live Damn Well podcast. My name is Jorge Roman and my guest today is Dr. Gates Mayer, a doctor of chiropractic with a bachelor of science in kinesiology. Thank you for being here, and welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, man. Really excited for this one.
0: Me too. So we're going to start off just by uh, explaining a little bit of your story. So how did you get into chiropractic, and how is that different from the MD route?
1: Right. You know, I was in my senior year of high school, and for high school, in my junior and senior year, we had to do a week-long internship. It could be anywhere. just had to be, you know, somewhere where we had... wanted to get some experience as far as what we were going to do in the work field. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. Junior year, I started an orthodontist. I hated it. You know, I just, every part about it, you know, I was always, I don't know if I was always more tired because I was there, if maybe I just didn't sleep enough the night before, but it was horrible. And if any orthodontists are listening, respect your profession, it's hard to do. But, um, you know, I, then the next year I was like, man, I still don't know what I want to do a year passed by my sister was like, you should check out this, this chiropractor. I had no idea what chiropractic was at the time. I hadn't even heard of it. Uh, but she was like, yeah, he made me feel really good. You know, like, um, uh, after cause she had been in a car accident. Um, and so I went there, guy was awesome. And he was really knowledgeable as far as, you know, how the body works and what to do when somebody comes in, you know, I have pain or, or I am feeling sick or under the weather. And he was like, all right, well, let's check out, see what's happening. Um, and it wasn't in the form of like a medication. It was really just him allowing the body to do what it needed to do. And I'd say the the only difference really between the MD route is, you know, we we all have to go to undergrad depending on the state. So a lot of my peers in undergrad, we all were in uh, pre-med basically. So a lot of same classes there. I graduated the exercise science. Um, But when you get to the chiropractic college, you really spend more time in physiology and x-ray. And other than that, the hours are pretty much the same other than, you know, MDs are getting a lot more uh, time in medication, right? Because that's what they're mostly skilled at. And we're learning adjustments. So we're learning how to, uh, adjustments in biomechanics, how the body's supposed to move, you know, what happens if it's not moving right, and maybe some other different active modalities such as different stretches or active care, uh, different things like that. So the adjustments really is what set us apart because we're, you know, we're not learning medication. We don't do that. So, but other than that, pretty much the same as far as ours go, same topics too.
0: We'll get into that a little bit um, later on because uh, that's something that I I just had a uh, guest on a few days ago, um, a functional medicine doctor. And he was telling me, you know, the exact pretty much exactly what you're telling me, like why, why there's this, this huge difference in approach, um, in, in alternative health, even like, you know, from functional medicine, chiropractic to the normal allopathic medicine. And we'll get into that a little bit. And and actually like that leads me into uh, something that we talked about last week, a little bit, like the amount of time that a conventional doctor spends on average is is ridiculously low i mean um yep. anywhere from seven to 16 minutes is what i found to be to be the average in the u.s like really what can you do in such a short amount of time <laughs>
1: yeah i mean you know with that you, you gotta focus on patient patient connection you know that short amount of time you know with chiropractic and and different things because sometimes chiropractors see maybe even patients less than that you know um it just is dependent upon how much you're willing to put in and pour into your patient. You know, are you willing to, you know, with that short amount of time you can make it work, but you gotta be really skilled at patient connection. You know, we were just talking about that really understanding where the patient's going, where their problems are, how you can help them. You're that coach. Um, So really in that short amount of time, it's hard. I can't even imagine, you know, like if I, I'm a baseball player. So, if I was to get coaching from somebody and I'm like, all right, we're just going to spend seven minutes learning this one thing. And that was it, you know, it'd be so super weird. And, um, so our patients need more really.
0: Yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like the thing is it's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily like a, a bad thing that, uh, most doctors, like even functional medicine doctors, even alternative health doctors, like there really is not enough time. Like, The reason that you're going to a doctor or a chiropractor is because, you know, like there's something immediately wrong. There's something blatantly wrong with you. Right. So uh, the thing is, that's that's, like, that's good in the moment. And like, yeah, if you have some sort of bacterial infection, like go to the doctor, (laughs) you know, get an antibiotic. Right. But the preventative part is the part that's missing. And that's the hours and hours and hours of uh, education that you need to have with with a person. So. Um, for example, like nutrition, sure, you could go to the doctor, you could talk to him a little bit about nutrition, but maybe he'll have like 2030 minutes, like max, and that's really pushing it to talk about nutrition when you could spend days and days just on that same subject. So
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's something too what sets and I'm sure functional medicine is probably similar to this, but chiropractic apart is because it's a compounding effect, you know, people always say, well, do I have to see my chiropractor this much? Or do I have to come in? Sometimes it's once a week, you know, for a good period of time. And it's that preventative measure that you talking like that about, but more than that, we're educating our patients. They're like, how are you doing? How's the mental stress? How, what's your eating been like? So that's that compounding effects so of how often are you getting into, and a lot of times with your MD once a year, if that, you know, and with functional medicine, I don't, you know, probably a lot more than that, considering there's different things that go and play with that for sure.
0: Right. Pretty similar. Yeah. So one topic that I want to get into is this concept of, of holism and like interconnectedness. Yeah. That's something that I really want to touch on. Cause like, that's, again, that touches back to the different approaches that you take with, uh, with different, um, medical models. Right. Because, you know, Exercise, for example, that's not only going to improve cardiovascular health, you know, your, how your muscles look, but that's going to improve immune health, brain health, you know, like base, virtually everything. Right. So yep. the, this approach that we take to things like flying a rocket to the moon, right, like this mathematical, uh, you know, with physics. Right. That helps us in some ways, but <laughs> it, uh, it it doesn't seem to be working when we're talking about something that's living. So right. what do you think about that concept, like holism, when
1: it comes to health? It's something that, you know, is vastly underutilized and, and unspoken. I think, you know, we've gotten to this realm of and it's weird because in everything else, you know, we're not one dimensional beings. Right. You, you don't like just walk down the street and be like, I'm going to laugh. You know, or like, I'm going to cry at this moment. You know, we're we're interconnected with everything, our emotions, and and not only that, like you had mentioned, um, everything comes into play with we we strive off of human connection, right? You're saying now, like with COVID and everything, human connection is way down. We're seeing the effects from it, Um, and this interconnectedness is something that is not spoken enough on, and it's not. Um, the holism factor isn't nearly enough presented to a patient to make sure that they're keeping that in check too. And just presenting, like you said, education, letting them know, hey, it's all all connected. There's not one part of you that doesn't work without the other part. So, you know, we talked about this last time, that Swiss watch principle of each gear has its place. And if a gear isn't working right, it can affect other places, right? And that can go from if I'm feeling bad physically, it can affect me emotionally. It can affect me with, you know, my spouse or anything like that. It can have its detrimental effects. And if we don't recognize it, it's going to catch up with us. And it, I mean, it has in a lot of circumstances now.
0: Right. And uh, yeah, that's something that a lot of the, the functional medicine doctors and I know uh, chiropractors think about way more. It's It's treating the patient as opposed to like a disease, right? Because when exactly. we get into the problem of like, Oh, look, this person has high cholesterol, give them a statin, right? Because it's going right. to lower their cholesterol and that's it. That's no other thing, right? It's like, no, that <laughs> affects the entire system of the person. Like if you give a person a statin, that's like, sure, might have some, like, it, it, it might be efficacious, right? It might lower their, their cholesterol a little bit. And, uh, right. but again, that's controversial whether or not that's actually helpful or not, <laughs> but that's a, yeah. a different topic. But, but really like treating the whole person, like, first of all, why does this person have cholesterol that's high? Is it, you know, diet and like stress also has some effect on that. Like you need to look mm. at the whole person.
1: Yeah. All so, of those play a key role. Right. For real.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so in my book, I talk a lot about stressors, right? So like all yeah. these things that compound day in, day out that, that, you know, inconspicuous, right? We don't even think twice about them. They're just, they're, they've just become a part of normal modern life. Right. And things like too much exercise, not enough, you know, poor sleep, emotional stress, chemical stress and, you know, a bunch of other things. Right. So Mm. the common misconception is, you know, all stress is bad. We need to avoid it at all costs. Right. But how do you understand stress and uh, what's its role in chiropractic care?
1: Yeah, there's I like how you had put it in the book because there's all these things that come into play. And it's easy to get overwhelmed by them because it's, okay, well, what do I do that's right? Or what do I do that's wrong? How do I know what stress is good, what's bad? And it's one of those things where the more you can increase how you can um, combat those stressors, I guess you could say, because let's say if you have a stressful day, well, is it better to go eat McDonald's or is it better to go eat some good nutritious whole food, you know? That's something that's gonna help your body in the long run, even if you come into contact with the stress, to help your body to adapt to it easier. Same with chiropractic, you know, the stress response is huge within the spine if it's not moving right. That stress automatically goes up within the body. Well, then what happens if you also have a bad day at work? You're not eating good, you don't exercise. All these things can pile on. So it's really coming down to, you know, keeping in check what you can and then being proactive in different things like chiropractic, like nutritious foods that way. And I, and I think one thing that I've learned a lot too is uh, breath work and meditation and that impact of it too. Just, you know, it's, it's something that can be viewed as um, out there, I guess you could say like, oh, it's a little weird, but you know, the, you you talked about in your book, actually, Um, Just the breath work and just, you know, if you're sitting in traffic, I hate traffic, man. Traffic's like the worst thing. So for me, if I'm sitting in traffic and I do that simple, you know, box breathing or something like that, that stress is just way reduced. And it's something where the more that compounds, you're going to see the effect. And until you learn to control what you can, it's that allostatic load that we talked about. It's always going to be there and it's going to go and overflow sometimes.
0: That's the thing, right? Like all these bad things compound, but like all these good things compound too, right? It's, it's a yeah, matter of right. focusing on those good habits to try to mitigate some of the potential negatives. Um, yeah, definitely. So are there specific ways that you found that really help support you know, our nervous system? Because that's obviously something that, you know, chiropractic care is really focused
1: in on. Yeah, um, obviously getting adjusted, getting to your chiropractor, if not on, you know, with the world as crazy as it is, I like to get adjusted one to two times a week, but it all depends on, like you said, your stress levels. But other than that, um, I think the biggest thing is movement. Um, We're just talking about exercise and everything like that. And I like how you put it in your book again. I keep coming back to your book because I really did like it a lot, man. Um, Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. If you're exercising, it's going to stimulate all those positive effects, the vagal tone, everything. But if you are exercising too much, it can have a drastic approach to that nervous system. So, other than getting adjusted, I really just would be careful about exercising too much because if you're putting too much stress on that nervous system, it can affect what it's trying to control everywhere else. And your body's going to adapt to that stress. But in the end run, movement is hands down the best because if you are interacting with your environment and you're interacting and making sure your spine, which houses the nervous system, like if you're not even moving your spine on a daily basis or like walking around, your nervous system is just going to be like, all right, well, what am I here for? You know, right. so that spinal movement is huge exercise in general. I will preach that till the, the sun goes down. You know, that's that's the key.
0: So how exactly does an adjustment work? How does it help somebody?
1: Yeah, the adjustment is first off, crazy powerful. Um, I think it's underutilized because chiropractors, we do an adjustment in what you might go to like a physical therapy and they quote unquote manipulate. And sometimes those two can be intermingled, but the adjustment takes place on a higher scale that instead of just Um, impacting a local area, it also impacts the whole system. So if I see a bone that's not moving right within the spine, you know, we did a full exam and everything like that, and there's a bone that's just, it feels stuck, quote, unquote, is the simplest terms, well, then your body sees it as stuck and it sends a stress response, right? And if there's a stress response, we know the cascade that comes in with that, whether it's hormones, cortisol, all that kind of stuff. So the adjustment comes in and says, hey, you know, I'm trying to get this bone to move. I'm trying to allow the body to see, hey, there's no reason to be stressed. There's no reason to have a negative impact here. And it can decrease not only on the local factor, but for an adjustment, you need to be at 200 miles an hour. So that's why I say it's different than uh, manipulation. You need to be at a certain speed because you want it to affect the brain every time i adjust somebody i'm wanting to affect the brain not just the local area because if i place a force into the body that bone's moving the stress response goes down and then the brain sees hey it's okay let's relax you don't need to be in fight or flight and that's just one part of that cascade because if if your nervous system again is overloaded with the stress because a certain bone or segment isn't moving then it can impact that neurological structure within that area and on a gross, gross systematic response too.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. So take me down to that, uh, muscular or even like, um, you know, like neurological level, what actually happens when you're adjusting somebody?
1: Yeah. So let's start with the muscle because I think that's something that people can relate to a lot. Um, within the muscle itself, you talk a lot about it, the stretch response, right? You have the Golgi tendon organs and everything like that. If that muscle is in tension, right? It's locked in place. This comes back to the holism concept. Okay. Well, why is it locked in place? Why doesn't it want to move, have the bone move through its entire range of motion? There's three ranges of motion that it moves through really well. There, the rigidity of that muscle could be caused by a sympathetic response you know when you think about when you're stressed are you relaxed you know like you just got a massage are you relaxed or anything like that or are you kind of more rigid and like tense it's the rigidity and tense so it's it's the body's natural stress response within the muscle to lock that down and that can come in place the reason for that and we kind of touched on it earlier is those stressors if i have you know a negative mental attitude or I'm not moving, or I let's say I took in a toxin, which doesn't necessarily have to be like an actual poison, but in the functional medical realm, we can talk about you know certain foods that cause a certain response in our bodies. All these things can cause that muscle to lock down, hold the bone in place, and then the brain registers that neurologically, not only in that section, because if the joint isn't congruently moving it starts to lock it down and say, hey, well, then we don't need that joint. Like, there's a reason that we're doing this, and it, it's smart. You know, it locks it down because there's injury there or it's perceived injury. Um, and you don't always have to feel pain. So I think that's one of the, the common misconceptions is, well, I need to go to the chiropractor because my back pain or my neck pain. We have both conscious pain or unconscious pain and it's that noxious stimuli that's constantly impacting the brain creating that stress response so really the way i like to there's you know different things that come into play you're talking about kinesio um how it affects the joint movement then you get into neurological and how that's affected by it then you get into muscle so it's all interconnected in how that structure is functioning as one you can't have one without the other like you can't have a good moving structure and it not affect the neurological or the musculoskeletal right so um really all that just to come back to you know if neurologically i'm impacted then i'm also impacted at the joint level if i'm impacted at the joint level i'm impacted at the musculoskeletal level so you know and we could go into a a lot more science and everything like that we can do that in our time but um when you get down to brass tacks, that neurological structure is going to be, basically we're affecting the neurological structure by impacting the musculoskeletal.
0: Right, and uh, something that- In a shorter that, sense. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, so I've been a competitive swimmer for around 15 years. And so something that's really common there is is overtraining, right? And so right. the thing is, since we train, I don't know, we have like nine practices a week, anywhere from two hours or more, um, yeah. It can really become easy, and it's really like necessary for people to become a uh, like dull to pain. Like they like people work right. their pain. Like they, virtually everyone I know uh, that's been on the swim team has had you know one or more you know shoulder problems or back problems, even or, or some sort yeah. of problem like that. And like the thing is, the the body is probably starting to get hurt. or you actually feel like i can't move my shoulder anymore right like that's the point where it's it's way too much like at that point it's like oh well yeah you got to that point because you weren't listening to those small very subtle cues that you know you were hurting your body in some
1: way right exactly and it all comes down to that you know how are the joints are they congruent are they not and that comes you know maybe that's why we experience no back pain for most of us until we're like 30 or 40. We put those years of stress on our bodies. Or if you get into swimming, you got that competitive nature too, right? Like if you're hurt, well, you're going to swim either way, you know, you're, you're going to push through it. So, which then causes more damage. And then if you don't correct it, you're kind of, you know, you know how they say, um, you know, I, I sprained my ankle or like, I, this is what I use for patients. I go, they're like, I twisted my ankle, you know, 30 years ago. So it always hurts. A bit. So I'll say, did you ever, un- did you ever untwist it? You know, Because yeah. it, it just gets them on yeah. like a, a level of like, oh yeah, I didn't do anything to correct what hurt it in the first place.
0: Right. Quick intermission. So today I want to introduce you guys to Thrive Market. Now, I know I talk about it a lot, especially if you've heard my podcast, but there's a good reason for that first of all if you've tried eating healthy tried going organic tried going the whole foods route trying to eat as little processed food as possible that's great but it can take a toll on your wallet especially in the tough times that we're dealing with right now so the amazing thing about thrive market is it's really very very affordable that's part of what thrive market wants to do is they partner specifically with only sustainable brands that provide quality products. The thing I love about them is even though some of their food is processed, it's minimally processed. Like we have stuff like dark chocolate with sea salt and almonds, sweetened with organic raw coconut sugar, and it tastes really great. So you don't have to sacrifice flavor for health, right? And that's something that I think Thrive Market really embodies. So the thing is Thrive Market doesn't just offer really healthy snacks. They also offer things like shop by diet, where if you're paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, you can shop all of those things by that category, which makes it super, super helpful. And if you're looking for snacks, you can look for that right there. You have all types of food, you have all types of diet. You can buy meat and seafood, which is frozen, and delivered right to your door. So wild caught, free range, all that stuff. You can buy meals that are already pre-made for you. There's wine for those that can drink, supplements which are very high quality, beauty products, bath and body for kids, for your home, like cleaning detergents, even things for your pets like cat food, dog food, etc. And the best part is it's delivered right to your door. So if you wanna find out more about them and get a $24 free gift, and also as we lead into Black Friday, if you're listening to this in November, then they're going to have a pretty special offer with 30% off your entire order. Check them out in the link in the description. Right. Yeah. 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 I like that. I like that. So you have this quote on your Instagram, which uh, really stood out to me the first time I saw it. It says pretty simple. The body does not make mistakes. And to me, that seems, that seems pretty clear. and, And I agree with that, but, many others you know not so much we talked about last week how you know some people even got like angry with you because they've been dealing with a disease for so long and like yeah most conventional practitioners will say oh you know you have to endure this it's just really crappy genetics so what is your take on that can you explain what that means
1: yeah um this has really become almost like my catchphrase really just because patients do come in and they do get angry because they latch on to um, maybe not a diagnosis, but maybe they latch on to, well, I've had back pain for 15 years. It's just part of who I am. And so when you tell them, Hey, you know, there's a reason this is going on. The body is not a mistake. It kind of, it takes them back because they, they've grown accustomed to it, but then it also, it's become almost like a crutch for them. You know what I mean? So for me, I was like, you know what, the the body's not making mistakes. If you have pain, or even like, let's go a bit deeper. Which this might offend somebody, but if you have a defect, that's not a mistake. You know, it's there. Or or let's talk about autoimmune conditions too. It's not a mistake. There's a reason that the body responded in the way that it did, because it's smart. Our genes are the same that they've been over thousands of years. It. And they're smart because they adapt to the stressors placed on it, whether that came about through a defect or autoimmune condition or um, let's just say back pain. The body utilizes that as a protective mechanism. And it's weird because it's like, okay, well, something is still wrong. In our perceived eye, but it comes down to your protective mechanism to keep your body alive. Every time, and your body is always striving for that. You know, if you go and walk out in a blizzard, you're going to get frostbite. Why? Well, did the body make a mistake, or is it trying to keep you alive? Because it took the blood from your appendages, right? So, it's become a catchphrase of mine because all you know, you see patients and they're hurting and they're in pain, and you want to help them, but first you have to help them with the organ between the ears and say, "Listen." The body is is telling you something. We just have to figure it out. And there's hope, too. I mean, the biggest thing is we want to be a hope dealer. We want to be, bring people in and let them know you're you're not defined by whatever it is that you have going on. Because not only that, does it release the crutch, but also empowers them. And that empowerment is the biggest thing that I want to to reach with all my patients.
0: Right. That's super powerful. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, it becomes a psychological thing at that point because um yeah, I mean, it's common knowledge that the placebo effect is is super important and that's right. like one thing, like yeah. it can even be measured, right? So sure, yeah, like they'll come into a conventional medicine uh uh an office and you know they'll they'll already have this issue with the back pain, for example. And then yeah. they'll tell them, Oh, you know, it's nothing we can do, sorry um you know yep. it's just the way it is and then they'll be like oh you know this person's a doctor they're yes like they're credible i'm going to trust what they say and like yeah yeah to a certain extent of course right but that's where it becomes like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy because then you know that's that's the, the mind is a powerful thing and if you start to yep. tell it that it's irreversible well you're not going to look for your ways to possibly
1: reverse <laughs> it right exactly that's so true yeah. So
0: next thing I want to get into is why why does popular media and why do why does conventional wisdom seem to look down on things like chiropractic or functional medicine? Like I, I went on uh, Wikipedia a few months ago yeah. and to look up like you know what do people actually think of a functional medicine or chiropractic, and it straight up calls it pseudoscience. Like, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous to me. Why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, I love this because you know for. Chiropractic has been around for 125 years, so we're relative, relatively a new profession, still young, even though bone setting and, and like predates what chiropractic necessarily has been officialized, officially recognized. But it comes down to there's a bunch of different factors, and I think a couple of the biggest ones are you know, sorry, I'm just writing, I wrote down some notes on this one here. Um, really, you know, on top of being a new profession, we had to come into our own and say, you know, what, what's going on when we do an adjustment? Well, they didn't have the science that they had, we have now, right? We were like, okay, well, based on what's being changed, how can we, you know, logically assume what's happening? And for us, it was, oh, well, the nervous system controls all your organs, structures, functions, everything. So if somebody comes in, you know, the first, the very first chiropractic patient, he was actually deaf. And D.D. D. Palmer adjusted him and his hearing was restored. So for him, you know, it, and when you tell somebody that, and if you were like, dude, that's, we call it, we call it quacks a lot, obviously. Um, and so that's ridiculous. Like, you can't just move this bone and have it restore hearing. Like, who do you think you are? Like. So a lot of it comes down to new profession. We're trying to find our own, but then with that, it's a lot of over promising and under delivering from chiropractors too. Because if that if that's our premise, the nervous system holds the entire power of the of the body, which it does. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not always A plus B equals C. It's not every time we adjust a bone, well then your cancer will disappear. Because the nervous system is housing everything. Even though that's true, there's still more that goes into that. And while it always will enhance your health, it doesn't always necessarily cure your health. So a lot of overpromising, underdelivering, um, I think a lot of misunderstanding from that AMA. So that's American Medical Association. And it's funny because when chiropractors was first coming around, you know, chiropractors were getting jailed. Um, there was, you know, MDs weren't allowed to associate with chiropractors, no referrals, otherwise you'd lose your license because they thought we were practicing medicine because we were getting good results, you know, um, and it's not, it's not always things like, uh, you know, what they might have been dealing with, but chiropractic came along the scene and we started giving people answers for stuff that they had that MDs couldn't at the time. So there was this huge lawsuit and everything like that. So I think a lot of it comes down and they even um, created a committee on quackery, which is really funny if you, if you look it up because it is labeled as that pseudoscience because it does go against the norm. It goes against the conventional approach of um, pathology being the number one instead of health being the number one um and for us it it was you know we came into our own saying we want to make the biggest impact we can by utilizing something that's physiologically congruent with the body and that's that's one thing that i love about chiropractic it's physiologically congruent we're not trying to you know it sounds funny but we're not trying to treat anything you know because of insurance we have to, to make it look that way but we're not trying to treat your back pain. We're trying to get your nervous system to function optimally. And if your back pain ceases, awesome. But a good chiropractor isn't treating anything. We're just trying to enhance that nervous system. What the body does with that, that's where that power comes from.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which seems like quack- quackery to a lot of people.
0: <laughs> right. No, no, it definitely does. And it'll be a, a fight, which will be continue to be fought for a while. yeah Definitely um, will. And so something I've, I've come to learn recently and something that I talked about on a past interview with that functional medicine doctor is the thing is, it's, it's the thing that a lot of conventional practitioners use in order to, you know, justify that pseudoscience quackery statements that they make is absence of evidence, right? Um, right. And the thing is, absence of evidence doesn't mean evidence of absence, and so nope. that's that's what they use to justify those those claims and what, what they throw at, at chiropractors and what they throw at functional medicine doctors. And that's, yeah. that's simply like at the foundation, at least a very big part of it is it's a it's a funding issue. Like there's a right. lot of money in pharmaceuticals. There's a lot of money in what MDs have traditionally done. Um, right. And so there's a lot of studies, you know, to back that up. And there aren't as many studies with functional medicine. And probably, I haven't personally looked, but probably not as many in, in chiropractic care either. And so yeah. that's, that's part of why they justify those statements.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. And in, in a world of evidence-based now is the big thing. But I love that quote because it's, it does come down to funding. It comes down to, you know, both Uh, you know, not that functional medicine is necessarily new, I guess, but it can be considered a new profession. You know, you just, you don't have anything, you know, you're starting off of an idea that, you know, I know how the body works. And for me, that's evidence alone. If If you have something that's physiologically congruent, such as functional medicine or chiropractic, I mean, why isn't that talked about enough? I don't know but that, that, I think you nailed it on the head right there.
0: I'm going to do a few, few rapid fire questions here at the end, but, um, before I do that, I wanted (laughs) to ask, so I I just thought of another thing that I saw on your Instagram, which was like what, what medicine should be is and what health Mm -hmm. should be is to try to remove the barriers that prevent you from, um, you know, from reaching health. It's not like, you know, you doing something is fixing it. It's, You know, you're removing the barriers that's allowing the body to fix itself. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, that that's honestly everything to me as a doctor, because I always I always tell everybody I meet this every patient, you're the best doctor that I know. Your body knows way more about its hormonal system, its pain, its neurological system than I could ever know. So for me if I can remove any barrier, keeping your body from functioning normal. So those are things like, well, I know bad food is inhibits that. I know a poor moving spine inhibits that I know lack of movement inhibits that. So for me, I'm going to do everything I can to show you, quote unquote, show you how to live and adjust you so that you have no barriers. And then your body's at full potential. And if your body's at full potential, then what, what, Disease is not going to be able to fight. You know, there's nothing. You talk about cancer primarily being a lifestyle choice disease. There's nothing that it can fight. Your body can't fight. you have been made to fight any virus, any anything. If you if you really take your health as a priority, so that's my you know motto as a as a doc is really I'm not you know this goes back to I'm not trying to treat anything. I'm just trying to release anything inside you that is keeping you from being at your optimal health because you're the best doctor i know
0: <laughs> yeah that's awesome and uh it's it's kind of controversial to be saying a little bit of of what we're talking about right now because right now there's this huge um there's this huge fear that's going around over over a virus right now right and um right. it's it's this conflict between germ theory and terrain theory really and the thing is um, obviously it's still it's still pretty controversial but uh, a concept that i've learned recently is you know a, a healthy body cannot support disease so an unhealthy body welcomes in disease and you know like all of the all of the research that i did leading up to to my book return to human is is really showing that with, with all of the statistics that we now have. I mean, we have like, what, 94% of people who died from it had, you know, one or more. I think the average is two comorbidities, right? Like that's, that's right. profound, that's severe. And, and so most of those are actually lifestyle-based, I would say.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something where it, it shows us exactly how vulnerable we are because of how we live. And how the rest of the world lives. Because if I, I I when this thing first came about, I was like, I can't wait till the data comes out to just see the impact of who got it, what was their lifestyle like, what else did they have going on? Because like you said, a healthy body does not welcome disease and it never has, you know.
0: Right. It's also and this is I just did a, a podcast on that with with a few of my friends on this. Um, like, what does healthy actually mean? And it's difficult right. to define that right now because we're living in this, uh, especially in the U.S., in this epidemic of chronic disease. We have like, you know, 60 percent of adults with one or more, 54 percent of children with one or more, which is uh, it's, it's terrifying. It's horrible. And, yeah. um, you know, that's become the norm now. Like if I go, yeah. if I go outside and go on a walk, you know, it's, that's more than every other person will have one or more, you know, they'll be taking a medication probably. It's more than likely. And so, yeah. so it's, it's, it's tough because so many people, even those 6% that maybe didn't have a comorbidity, I can assure you they probably had some sort of, maybe they had a deficiency in something like, I, I can't say that. And I'm like, I don't have the evidence right now to support that, but my theory is a lot of those people probably had some sort of, um, you know, subclinical deficiency in something or, or even like a deficiency that wasn't, you know, seen as important enough to be called a comorbidity.
1: Yeah, that's very true. And something that we do in my office or we're going to do is, is immune system testing, not seeing, you know, how your immune system is quote unquote, um, fighting a pathology but where are your levels at you know because like you said there could be some subclinical thing that's going on because we're not nowadays in the U.S. we're not taught about health health classes are kind of becoming a past thing to have and if we can see how the immune system is functioning then then what's going to stay in what's going to keep us from getting there and that six percent like you said I yeah no evidence but we know we know how the body works. <laughs>
0: right, right, all right. So I don't want to keep you too much longer. So these uh, no next few questions are going to be just like rapid fire. So cool. What is the one aspect of health which you have personally found to be the most important when it comes to improving someone's health?
1: Um, kind of hit on this earlier. Other than the adjustment, movement, hands down, exercise is going mm-hmm. to be yeah, definitely going to be. You just look at. I think you mentioned it earlier. You just look at all the positive effects that come out of exercise and movement. You, you can't beat it. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so just to uh, sidetrack a little bit here. Yeah. Um, for sure. What types of exercise would you specifically recommend?
1: Yeah. Um, that one's always hard because I, it, this it goes back to patient basis uh, you know, what somebody needs um, and what they can handle in their nervous system. Because, a lot more people can handle more long distance stuff than others, or a lot more people can handle hit exercises. Me personally, I like, um, you know, more heavy lifting, not like powerlifting style, but just heavy lifting. Because if you think about, let's talk about the heart as a muscle. Well, if you're lifting heavy is your heart going to get exercise from that every time, you know, every time it's going to get exercise from that. So it's in itself, maybe you're not focusing on that heart, like you can't hit. So I, I prefer to do heavy lifting. And then on the day off, if, if I'm doing, um, you know, uh, usually some type of yoga or uh, core exercise, you know, I find that works best for me. And that might not work best for everybody. And then usually at least one day a week, I'll, I'll try to do um, like some sprints or, or um, more cardio based type of thing.
0: Awesome. And then kind of a a bleak question that uh, I'm going to be asking pretty much everyone that comes on is, okay. no, it's inevitable that we're all going to pass away at some point. Yeah. So the only really things that we leave behind is, you know, some belongings like children, if you have any, and, and a legacy, right? You leave, you leave a message, like concepts that you right. that you gave to the world or or something like that. So what does leaving that legacy mean to you and what message do you want to leave behind?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, Just the biggest thing is that God made us powerful. He didn't make our bodies with mistakes. We came into this world, you know, not deficient in a certain medication. Um, We came into this world with, you know, uh, something that is, you know, pretty ancient inside of us, I guess you could say. And that always, you know, that always is striving to keep our body alive. So, our bodies are just powerful and God made us that way. That's, that's the legacy i want to leave. i like you, what you said, it's not about things. So.
0: Awesome, man. So where can people find you on social media?
1: Yeah. So Gates mayor, and then it's uh, underscore DC is my best way. I'm also on Facebook and I'm going to be releasing uh, my doctor page here pretty soon. And I can send that to you when it comes through. Um, awesome. I'll hopefully have that.
0: Yeah. I'll have that on the show notes. So everyone can take a
1: look at that. Yeah, definitely. And I'll have my clinic up and running here pretty soon.
0: Great. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate your time. Thank you for being here.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Navigating the world of health and wellness is anything but straightforward. So if you're a little bit confused as to, you know, what things are harmful? Is this food good? Is this food bad? Well, spoiler alert, it's not that simple. However, I and many others have done the heavy lifting. So I put together a book called Return to Human, how modern medicine, the media and the mundane have destroyed our immune systems and how to move back towards optimal health. The full version is available on Amazon. Now it's around 70 or 80 pages. And so it's really a simple guidebook that you can use and an introduction to all of the major aspects of health, which is why I think it's so helpful for people who are kind of confused and lost. Here's what I cover. I cover the top six aspects of health, which if compounded, if combined together, and all of these things are done properly, then you can have amazing effect on your overall health. Because, you know, unlike what many health gurus claim, one thing will not make a healthy person. Multiple things will give you a 1%, a 2%, even a 10% if you're lucky, increase in your overall quality of life now that's what i set out to do when i wrote this book so i cover those top six i tell you very very simple things that one damage your immune health and your overall health two how you can do the appropriate thing based on research right and it's not a medical recommendation of course i want you to do your own research You are responsible for you but it's a great starting point if you're a little bit confused Now I understand that right now you may not want to dish out a few dollars even though it is $3 right now on Amazon, that's okay. Because mindset is inextricably tied to your immune health, so your emotional state, your mindset, all of that directly affects how your immune system functions in response to a virus or bacterial infection and so forth. So I made that chapter 100% free for you to download gives you some very simple tools that you can use to reduce stress to calm the nervous system all in a way that's free or very very affordable now if you want that you can click the link in the description which says free download to chapter two or simply head over to livedamwell.com
1: i hope you check it out i hope it helps and i'll see you in the next episode